0: All right. Hello and welcome. You're listening to Hobby Homies. We are your weekly war game and board game podcast. My name's Shane. As always, I'm joined by my co host Fox. What's good?
1: <laughs> now I'm going to uh, auto tune that in post. <laughs>
0: yeah, dude. You'll sound like um, Will I Am or someone by the time you finish yeah. doing that. One of those music kids listen to these days.
1: <laughs> <laughs> That's such a boomer thing to say <laughs> Will I Am or something. Okay, dude. <laughs> I'm not a boomer, I'm only 28. <laughs> but I do listen yes.
0: to um, 3AW, so that's probably bringing the age out. Yep. Um, we're talking RPGs. Yeah, so man. So, I have a question for you, Fox. What's yeah. an RPG?
1: My excellent question. Um, I thought you knew, actually. <laughs>
0: well, I've been researching for the last three days, about 10 hours in total.
1: So It's truth. Wow. Yeah, it's a big I mean, one. Yeah. I mean... So, look. At its core, an RPG stands for role-playing game. However, if you were to translate that literally, that's pretty much every single game that you've ever played. You take on the role of a character. So, RPG typically refers to... Well, we're talking about specifically tabletop RPGs because RPGs for video games is a whole nother thing. Yeah. But... <laughs> Yeah, but uh, it's typically a game where you play as a character and over time, you develop that character, uh, you develop their skills and abilities, but you also develop them as a character. You build a, their story, their more story-driven tabletop games. Um,
0: we, we haven't really dabbled deep in the RPG world. Like... We've both yeah. played a lot of RPG video games, you know. We've like, I'm sure you've played like Morrowind and Skyrim and all those kind of games. But all like, of them. but like when it comes to the pen and paper RPG, that's that's really like uh, uncharted
1: waters for us. Like, yeah, we've dabbled a little bit, but yeah. So I think we're, yeah, I think if I'm thinking about the spectrum of like all the different RPGs and all the different rules and types that there are. It's just so vast that my mind just boggles. <laughs> but I know the two ends of the spectrum. So, up one, you and I have played Gloomhaven, the board yep. game. That's probably the most rule-defined RPG you'll encounter in the sense that everything is already... It's, it's so well-defined, in fact, that they can put it in a box and give it to you and you can play straight away. Yeah. The classes of the characters are already made for you. The skills and abilities that you can learn are, are predetermined. You, picked from, you pick from a small pool of them, but they're already decided for you. You can attach equipment, but that's limited to the deck that they give you. The monsters that you encounter are predetermined. So, all of that kind of stuff is great because it means you can play the game. And as someone running it, the DM, which stands for Dungeon Master or... GM could stand for Game Master. It's the person that controls the universe and creates the rules and interactions. For them, it's really easy to pick up a game that has everything laid out for them, like Gloomhaven. Whereas, up the other end of the spectrum, where there's no board, there's no, board, there's no pieces, it's just you and me, for example. We could create a, an RPG. I could say, Shane, you enter a library. It's cold, it's dark, it's mysterious. It smells of intrigue but, and silence. And smells of silence. I exp- and it smells of silence. <laughs> <laughs> the dirtiest smell of them all. Oh God. Silent but deadly. <laughs> and I'll create a scene for you and I would say to you, what do you do? And you'd be like, well, I'm going to light a grenade and throw it in the middle of the library and run out and see what happens. And, you know... There's no dice or anything, so I, as the game master, would decide how your interactions resolve. Um, So, yeah. Look, I'd be remiss to talk about RPGs and the types of them without talking about D&D because that is the one that people... It's almost synonymous. If you say I'm playing a tabletop RPG, I'm going, D&D? And you're like, yeah. well, yes, but this type of D or this edition and all that yeah. kind of stuff. So it uses D and D's rule set and it, yeah. So well, it's funny you
0: mentioned D and because that's the one thing I've been living and breathing for the last three days straight. It's um, in your blood now. It's in your bloodstream. Oh, yeah, I feel very, very intimate with D and D, having never even played a game. But wow. I know it's,
1: I know it's spots. Oh, so after your first date, you feel pretty confident. Oh yeah, You're pretty confident with D and D there. No, it did. You know it. You know it. <laughs> yep. So, what look,
0: specifically? Well, look, I've put together sort of a history of D and D. Yeah. So, before we can dive into the history, we need to take a ride in the way way back machine and take a brief oh, look at the early days of war That's my favorite machine that you own, actually, the Way Way Back (laughs) machine. You take me in there frequently. (laughs) (laughs) You know it. (laughs) So, the first of the military games is thought to be Way High, which is called Encirclement, a Chinese strategy game later known as Go. Okay. A A similar game came to be shortly later called Chaturanga, which is an Indian game system from which they derived chess and its various versions came about. Chess itself gave birth to at least one game, which is more formally depicted, Armed Combat. This was a 1644 design known as the King's Game, from one Christopher Weakman. It included 30 pieces per side of 14 military types, each with different fixed rate of movement. Like its predecessors, it was played principally for pleasure, but differed by emphasis on the strategic level of war.
1: I just At joked first... there for a second. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm like, what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> so, I, I'm so curious about these early games. Like, are, do they ex- exist now? Like that one you just mentioned with 14 different military pieces. Can I play that now? I'm sure you could look it up. I um,
0: Actually, that's one thing I sort of didn't go on a tangent and start looking into while yeah, putting good, this smart. together. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. Um,
1: oh, I'm going to suss that out and bring that information back to the podcast because... yeah. That would be dope, man, to play like one of those first ever. I bet it's terrible, but (laughs) oh, it's got to be bad, but it'd be be cool.
0: It's called the King's Game, so check it out. Okay, um, there, yeah, the first game to break away from chess, however, was invented by Helwig, master of pages, to the Duke of Brunswick in 1780. Wow. Such cool titles back in the day, man. What a man. title. I know, right? Master you of Pages.
1: That, <laughs> <laughs> that, I feel hell. like you're the Master of Pages right now. The oh, I've got in front of done. me. <laughs> the, call this, you, Shane,
0: Master of Pages. <laughs> this game included 1,666 squares, each coded for a different rate of movement depending on the terrain that square rep- represented. Playing pieces now represented groups of men instead of a single soldier. And each unit was rated for different movement. Infantry could move eight, heavy cavalry twelve, for example. Okay. There are also special rules for such things as pontineers, which is a, a boat. I had to look that one up because I was like, "What the fuck is a pontineer?" Pontineer. Uh, that needs yeah. its special rules. It sounds very yeah. special. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and in 1795, Georg, Ventritius, <laughs> that's a that's a mouthful, uh, that's a military a rider from Schleswig. Produced a more complex version of Helwig's game. He modified it in in 1798 by using a map board that depicted actual terrain on the border between France and Belgium. So
1: 1798.
0: Yeah, yeah, dude. It goes way back. And like, I know everyone's thinking, like, isn't this supposed to be history on D and D? It is. I just thought we (laughs) may need a little background context before
1: we before we can really get into it. Until you know uh, about the king's game. And whatever the last one you said was, <laughs> you don't uh, know about d and d you think no, you do No, that's, but... <laughs> that's right <laughs> uh, okay, we so can't...
0: now we'll fast forward to the nineteen sixties. Wow, uh, we just jumped two hundred years now we oh, yeah, games between that nothing, ha- nothing happened then,
1: <laughs> man, that game was elite, It's like the warhammer of oh exactly dude, exactly, sorry, I don't know if you can hear my Darth Vader um bottle opener in the background. <laughs> I forgot I about it. that when I cracked this beer. <laughs> Carry on. So what year are we in now? We're in 1960, dude. Cool. So the Beatles
0: took the world by storm. Man walked on the moon. The 8-track audio format was developed. JFK had his head blown, out, blown off in, his, in Dallas. And a young Gary Gygax created an organisation of wargaming clubs and founded the Gen Con Gaming Convention.
1: <laughs> I love that you put all of those in the same tier. You're like, here are all the notable events of the 1960s, less the Vietnam War. (laughs) Got JFK getting his head blown off. Very very crass, by the way. It happened. (laughs) And also, someone started some board gaming groups. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Now, a little about Gary Gygax. He was born in
0: Chicago, Illinois. On the 27th of July, 1938, they weren't there for long. In 1946, the family moved to Lake Geneva, Wisconsin. Throughout his childhood and teen years, he developed a love of games and an appreciation for fantasy and science fiction literature. At the age of 10, he and his friends played the sort of make-believe games that eventually came to be called the live-action roleplay. His father introduced him to fantasy and science fiction through pulp novels, the equivalent of modern-day comic books. Uh, his interest in games, combined with an appreciation of history, eventually led Gygax to begin playing miniature war games in 1953 with his best friend, Don Kay. As teenagers, Gygax and Kay designed their own miniature rules with toy soldiers with a large collection of 54mm and 70mm figures where they used True. small firecrackers to simulate explosions. <laughs>
1: Amazing. <laughs> I'm just surprised they didn't blow their fingers off or something, man. Maybe they did. You don't need them. You can... Uh, I always... Uh, run that situation in my head I'm like what happens if I lost my hands like oh. I couldn't play computer anymore I'd be like I'd, my life's basically over I'm like no wait I could still roll dice move models with your like stumps I, <laughs> yeah with my stumps I'd put like hooks you know like the craps table mover things yeah. <laughs> I'd just put those on I'd have so many different like handles and I'm like oh. you know what True. I could probably still war game with it or I'd just yeah. like tell someone what to do be like Shane yeah. can you just move that 8 inches no, no, no. 30 degrees, I said. 30 degrees. <laughs> Not <my> 27. Temperature. <laughs> Anyways. True. Yeah. True. Carry on. <laughs>
0: by, by, by the time he reached his teens, Gygax had a voracious appetite for pulp fiction authors such as Robert Howard, Jack Vance, and H.P. Lovecraft. Gygax mm. was a mediocre student, and in 1956, a few months after his father died, he dropped out of high school and joined the Marines. After being diagnosed with atypical pneumonia, he was given a medical discharge and moved back home with his mother. Shortly after his return, a friend introduced him to Avalon Hill's new war game, Gettysburg. And Gygax oh, yeah. soon became obsessed with the game, often playing marathon sessions once a week or more.
1: I've actually played that, Gettysburg. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah. By Avalon Hill, for sure. Yeah. Oh, I want to expand, but that's a, that's a whole story. And <laughs> okay. I, I feel like I don't have time for that. <laughs> we'll put it in the pile. Got, I'm so, Yeah, put it in the pile. All right. It's over here. <laughs> <laughs> Carry on. <laughs>
0: It was also from Avalon Hill that he ordered the first blank hex mapping sheets that were available, which then he employed to design his own games. About the same time as he discovered Gettysburg, his mother reintroduced him to Mary Jo Powell, who had been known, who he had known from his earlier childhood years. He was smitten and, after a short courtship, persuaded her to marry him. So it was funny when I was researching this, I'm like, did they really have to add persuaded her to marry him? Like She so had to be convinced? But, I mean... I don't know, dude.
1: Yeah. I um, mean, I feel like... I feel like technically <laughs> we've all persuaded the women. Persuade is an That's interesting true. word. Is it persuade yeah. or tricked? I mean, he was a war gamer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, tricked. I mean... Depends yeah. who you ask. <laughs>
0: <laughs> the young couple briefly moved to Chicago where Guy Gygax worked as a shipping clerk at Kemper Insurance and studied anthropology at the University of Chicago. Despite his commitments to his job... Raising a family, school, and his politic- political volunteerism, Gygax continued to play war games. It reached the point that Mary Jo, pregnant with their second child, believed he was having an affair and confronted him in a friend's basement. Only to discover him and his friends sitting around a map-covered table. We oh, bro! That's hilarious! Like, are you cheating that's- on me? And he's just like. What? There's like a handful of dice and fucking little miniatures on the table. Dro-
1: drops the dice on the ground and rolls sixes. Yeah. <laughs> Bro, that's relatable. It's like, yeah. where are you sneaking out to every night? Pretzel crumbs no. all down his chest and shit. It's like, yeah, I'm cheating on you. War games. War games. Yeah. The answer is yes. It's just not with a woman.
0: I th- I'd say if uh, if your boyfriend or, or husband plays war games, they ain't going anywhere. <laughs> don't
1: worry. Yeah. I, don't worry. Yeah. You, you got them locked down.
0: Don't worry. Yeah. Yeah, so we fast forward again a few years. Gary and Mary had their third child and moved back to Lake Geneva. By 1966, Gygax was active in the war game hobby world and was writing many magazine articles on the subject. Gygax learned about author of The War of the Worlds, H.G. Wells's Little Wars, a book for play of military miniature war games. Gygax looked for initiative, in, innovative ways to generate random numbers and he used not only common six-sided dice, but dice of all five platonic solid shapes, which he discovered in a school catalogue.
1: Oh. Yeah. What a, what a boring way of finding dice. <laughs> I know, right? As in a school catalogue. Why would you even read a school catalogue? Actually, you know what? I'm thinking back to primary school. I remember they had like a book week and it had like oh, not yeah. just Goosebumps books in there, which were dope, yeah. but like a myriad of different things. Is that like where you I order like, it
0: or something, and then like yeah, you fill it, you fill it out, your parents put money in there or pay by whatever, and then and then you like yeah. pick it up
1: from the library. Gosh, yeah, such a dead art because it's like, well, just download the PDF, dude. Put in <laughs> your yeah. mum's credit card. True. You to go.
0: Yeah, true.
1: But yeah, okay, maybe that's <laughs> what he was looking at. He was like looking through all the books, all the HP Lovecraft books. He's like, I want to order that. I want to <laughs> get three of those because just you know, so I can have one in every room of my house. <gasps> What are these dice?
0: mum? <laughs> True. D- D8s and D12s and
1: shit. There's more yeah. than D6? Oh, yeah. Unbelievable. There's many Ds, dude. <laughs> so much D. He actually loved... That's not in there, but he loved just so many D. <laughs> <laughs> all yeah. the Ds. All shapes and it's sizes. All the D. Yeah. <laughs> in
0: 1967, Gygax co-founded the International Federation of Wargamers, the IFW. Truth. What a step up. Bill Sp- Oh yeah, Here with From Bill ordering Spear. And a, sorry, <laughs> <laughs> it's only, it's just a club, dude. It's nothing. It just sounds fancy. These nerds, yeah, man, and then and their names. <laughs> There's plenty more, don't you worry? <laughs> uh, with Bill Spear and Scott Duncan, the IFW grew rapidly, especially by assimilating several pre-existing wargaming clubs, and aimed to promote interest in wargames of all periods. It provided a forum for wargamers via its newsletters and societies, which enabled them to form local groups and share rules. The same year, Gygax organized a 20-person gaming meet in the basement of his home. This event would later be called Gen Con Zero. The mm. following year, Gygax rented Lake Geneva's vine-covered horticultural hall for 50 bucks, which is about 400 USD these days, to, hold the, to hold the first Lake Geneva Convention, also known as Gen Con for short. Gen Con is now one of North America's largest annual hobby game gatherings. And Guy Gygax met Dave Arneson, the future co-creator of D&D, at the second Gen Con in 1969.
1: Wow. Wow. Yeah. You know, <laughs> that's actually a lot of money to hire a haul back then. 400 USD. Oh, um, yeah. oh, I just saw you on the camera take another swig. I tried to analyze what <laughs> beer you had, but still, still no luck. You gotta wait, dude. Because, like... I think you could hire a hall. In fact, I know you can hire a hall for one day for about 300 bucks, mm. Australian, which is what's a 200. Yeah, it seems expensive. But it yeah, was for a convention. I yeah, paid it. Yeah. So maybe it was a big hall. Was it over multiple days? Yeah, who knows? Anyways, it seemed expensive.
0: Dunno. Yeah. But uh, so together with Don Kay, Mike Reese, and Leon Tucker, Gargas created a military miniature society called the Lake Geneva Tactical Studies Association. Yeah. The LGTSA in nineteen seventy wow. <laughs> with its first You're headquarters right. <laughs> in Gygax's basement shortly after Robert Kuntz and Gygax founded the Castle and Crusade
1: Society of the IFW. Sorry, I'm gonna That's... I'm gonna need those names again.
0: <laughs> it was um Robert Kunz. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I wanted all the names. Why did you think I just wanted old cunty? <laughs> I, I'm almost tempted. Should we beep that dude? <laughs> oh, it's been beeped.
0: <laughs> it's his name, though. <laughs>
1: I, no, it was no. I, I changed it. <laughs> I took um, creative license over it, and then I okay. made it something it should never have been. <laughs> I'll be all it. right.
0: Late October, 1970. Gygax lost his job at the insurance company after almost nine years. Unemployed and now with a family of five children, he tried to use his enthusiasm for games to make a living by designing board games for commercial sale.
1: Goodbye, my lover. Goodbye, my friend. I'm back. You have been the one.
0: (laughs) Discord dropped out.
1: You have been the one for me. When I saw your face on the Discord stream, (laughs) I now know what to do. (laughs) Carry on. (laughs) (laughs) So, the last time uh, you tuned in here, (laughs) you were talking about how old mate was unemployed with five kids and he thought, you know what? You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to pursue my dreams of being a miniature (laughs) wargamer.
0: He designed board games for commercial sale. Oh, sorry.
1: <laughs> in my head, that's the same thing. <laughs> Though,
0: this proved unsuitable when he only grossed $882 US dollars in 1971, which is about oh. 5600 bucks nowadays. So, he Not... sort of struggled that year. For sure. Um, yeah. So, he began cobbling shoes in his basement, which provided him with a steady income and gave him more time for pursuing his interest in game development. So, that's when they used to fix shoes back in the day. Now, we just throw them out. Well,
1: I mean, it's another story. You know what? There are still cobblers. I watched a guy fix a shoe once. We'll we'll get to that some other time. (laughs) That's more of a beers and banter thing. Yeah, yeah. Bring (laughs) it up in beers and banter, dude. (laughs) I'll put it on the pile. I'll put it on the pile. Yeah. Okay.
0: 1971, he began doing some editing at work at Guide on Games, a publisher of war games, for which he produced the board games Alexander the Great, and Dunkirk, the Battle of France. Earlier nice. th- that same year, Gygax published Chainmail, a miniatures war game that simulated medieval era combat, which he had originally published in the Castle and Crusade Society's fanzine, The Domesday Book. Mm. Guidon Games hired Gygax to produce a wargaming with miniatures series of games, and a new edition of Chainmail in 1971 was the, book, was the first book in the series. The first edition of the book included a fantasy supplement of the rules. These compromised the system for warriors, wizards and various monsters of non-human races drawn from the works of
1: J.R.R. Tolkien and other sources. Nice. Yeah. He's got some good sources. Yeah. H.P. Lovecraft and J.R.R. Tolkien. Oh, I mean. yeah. Guy Gag, you're winning me over. <laughs> for a small publisher like
0: God Games, Chainmail was relatively successful, selling about 100 copies per month. Wow. It is believed that Dave Arneson adapted the chainmail rules for his fantasy Blackmoor campaign, and in late November of 1972, Dave and his friend Dave McGarry, inventor of a board game called Dungeon, that's Dungeon with an exclamation mark on the end, travelled to Lake (laughs) Geneva (laughs) (laughs) to to show their their respective games to Gygax in his role as representative of Guidon Games. Gygax saw potential in both games and was especially excited by Arneson's role-playing game. Gygax and Arneson immediately started to collaborate on creating The Fantasy Game, which is the role-playing game which was renamed into Dungeons & Dragons by his then-wife's suggestion. Oh! The wife coming oh. up clutch. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, dude. Two weeks They're after persuading... Arneson's Blackmoor demonstration, Gygax had produced a 50-page set of rules and was ready to try on his two eldest children. His In a setting he called Greyhawk. This group rapidly expanded to include Don K, Robert Kuntz, and eventually a circle of players. <laughs> <laughs> I know, man. Every time I'm, I wrote it, I'm like, this guy's name. like." <laughs> I mean, back then name. it would have been fine, right? <laughs> He's German. It's spelled it's K-U-N-T-Z. <laughs> <laughs> it's not even better.
1: <laughs> we'll have to put the explicit... Oh, we, we put that on all That's all on them. every episode. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: So, Gygax sent the 50, the 50 pages of rules to his wargaming contacts and asked them to playtest the new game. Gygax and Arneson continued to, make, to, to, continue to trade notes about their respective campaigns, and the final draft, however, contained changes that were not vetted by Arneson, and Gygax's vision differed on some rules details Arneson had preferred. Mm. Based on the feedback he'd received, Gygax created a 150 page revision of the rules by mid 1973. Several aspects Hold of up. the system. How many pages? 150 pages. OK. yeah. 150 that makes page sense. revision.: Yeah, so it went from 50 to 150, I think that's the interpreter.: mm. here. Yeah. Wow. that is yeah. that's big old, Wow. Big old book. Several aspects of the system governing magic in the game are inspired by the Dying Earth stories of fantasy author Jack Vance. Notably that magic users in the game forget the spells that they have learned immediately upon casting them and must re-study in order to cast them again. Hmm. The system as a whole drew upon the work of authors such as Robert E. Howard, Tolkien, Bram Stoker, and others. He asked God on Games to publish it, but in the volume but the three volume set uh, in a labeled box was beyond the scope of the small publisher. Gygax attempted to pitch the game to Avalon Hill, but the largest company in wargaming did not understand the new concept of role-playing and turned down the offer.
1: Oh. Joke's, joke's on them, right? Yeah, legit. Yeah. You know, <clears throat> um, you mentioned someone, Bram Stoker, just then. You said yeah. he was drawn on the... I was like, I've heard that name before. That is the person that wrote Dracula. Oh, so, I
0: knew... I heard it too as well, but I couldn't put any of his like work, yeah, you know, in mind. Yeah,
1: I think it's because there is a uh, where people talk about a particular Dracula movie. They say Bram Stoker's Dracula. Yeah. Or when they talk about that universe, they say Bram Stoker's Dracula. Yeah, oh, anyways, yeah. I suppose because
0: Dracula's been like redone so many times. There's so many different
1: universes of it. Totally, so, for sure. Yeah. So people are listening. and They're like, I've heard that name. Like I just did. That's why. That's Old it. Dracula. That's yeah.
0: it. Gygax left Guide on Games in 1973 and in October, with Don Kay as a partner, founded Technical Studies Rules, later known as a TSR Incorporated. The two <laughs> men each invested... I told you, man, they love their bloody acronyms and shit.
1: Don't they? Don't they?
0: <laughs> the two men inv- each invested $1,000 US in the venture. That's in 1973 too, so I didn't even exchange it for nowadays money. It's probably um, about
1: <clears throat> six. $6,000?
0: <laughs> probably, probably a fair bit. Um, yeah. In venture, in order to print a 1,000 copies of Dungeons & Dragons. They also tried to raise money by immediately publishing a set of war game rules called Cavaliers and Roundheads, but sales were very poor. Mm. When the printing costs for Dungeons & Dragons rose from 2,000 to 2,500, they still did not have enough capital to publish it. Worried that other playtesters and wargamers now familiar with Gygax's rules would bring a similar product to the market first, the two accepted an earlier offer in December 1973 by game-playing acquaintance Brian Bloom to invest $2,000 in TSR to become one equal third partner. Oh, excuse me. You're right. Bloom's investment finally brought the financing that enabled them to publish D&D. The first commercial version of D&D was released by TSR in January of 1974 as a boxed set. Sales of the hand-assembled print run of a 1,000 copies put together in Gygax's home sold out in less than a year. And in uh, 2018, the first printing of the box set sold at auction for more than 20000 US dollars.
1: Struth. They could hire so many halls for that money. So many.
0: <laughs> that was in 2018, dude. So, yeah, I mean, you can still hire a few, but <laughs> yeah, that's
1: true. Hire one or two. <laughs> <clears throat>
0: Imagine coming across something that was that old, though. Like, especially, man. Yeah, it's crazy. You know
1: what? I <clears> bet <throat> I want. We've got a, a war gamer in our Discord, Foggy Highway. I wonder what his oldest piece of wargaming thing is. That'd be good to I know. Mean, we'll yeah, have
0: to hit him up and ask him.
1: Probably not quite that old, but, I mean, he's been around. He's been around.
0: Yeah, Yeah, man. At the end of 1974, with sales of D&D skyrocketing, the future looked bright for Gygax and Kay, who were only 36. However, in 1975, Kay unexpectedly died of a heart attack. He had not made any specific... Oh, yeah. He had not made any specific provision. Sorry, who? Who did K, he's Don K, his uh, Gygax childhood friend,
1: yeah. Gygax's best mate. Yeah. Oh, man. Gygax would have been devastated. Oh, man. No doubt. Because I was like, this Don K guy, like every time Gygax went to a new project or a new whatever, Don K was right there. Damn, man. I'm sad. That's it, man. Side by side. 36, lost your best friend who you've done his. Yeah, you mentioned Donkey when he was just like, he <laughs> like teens, I think. Yeah, yeah, wasn't it Donkey that they were just like playing? Yeah, wow, wow. Yeah, I'm blown away, man. <laughs> I feel like I've just yeah. watched a TV series and one of the main characters just died.
0: <laughs> True.
1: <laughs> Damn.
0: Yeah, <clears throat> he had not made any specific provision in his will regarding his one third share of the company, simply leaving his entire estate to his wife Donna, although she had worked briefly for TSR as an accountant. She had not shared her husband's enthusiasm for gaming and made it clear that she would not be having anything to do with managing the company. Gygax characterized her as, quote, less than personable. After <laughs> Don died, she dumped all the TSR materials off on the front of my porch. It would have been impossible to manage a business with her involved as a partner, end quote. Fair
1: enough. <laughs> yeah. At least she didn't After- try to, like, extort the business or anything like that. She just said, I'm um, dumb. You do it. Oh, you do it. Yeah.
0: after Kay's death TSR was forced to relocate from Kay's dining room table to Gygax's basement (laughs) Uh, in July 1975 Gygax and Bloom reorganized their company from a partnership to a corporation called TSR Hobbies Gygax owned 150 shares Bloom owned the other 100 shares and both had the option to buy up to 700 shares at any time in the future but TSR had nothing to publish d d was still owned by the three-way partnership of TSR Incorporated and neither mm. Gygax or Bloom had the money to buy out Kay's wife. Bloom oh. persuaded a reluctant Gygax to allow his father, Melvin Bloom, to buy Donna's shares and those were converted to 200 shares into TSR hobbies. In addition, Brian fought Brian bought another 140 shares. These purchases reduced Gygax from the majority shareholder in control of the company to a minority shareholder. He effectively became Bloom's employee. Oh, boy. Yeah. Took it pretty hard there, I think.
1: Yeah, for sure. Like, the thing you built, you can't afford to be the owner of. Yeah. And you just start watching it. It either dies or someone else takes over. Man...
0: Yeah. Not long yeah. after
1: your best mate just died. Truth. Poor guy. Oh, pretty rough, man. Man, someone should make a movie out of this. You,
0: you nearly could, and like, we'll, we we'll pick yeah. up. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> <All> right, <okay. laughs> I got, yeah. I got more, I got more. <laughs> yeah, it's spicy.
1: I'm excited <clears> about <throat> the time frame too. I don't know if you're going to talk about some of the stuff that happens in 1975-ish, but we'll I'm, see what happens. <laughs> <laughs> You'll see. So, Gygax wrote supplements for the original D&D
0: game, and in the same year, he created a magazine, The Strategic Review, with himself as the editor. But wanting a more industry-wide periodical, he hired Tim Karsk as TSR's first employee to change the magazine into the fantasy periodical called The Dragon. Mm. The Dragon debuted in 1976, and Gygax com- commented on it, on its success years later. At no time did I ever contemplate so great a success or so long a lifespan. In TSR sorry, in nineteen seventy six, TSR moved out of Gygax's house and into its first professional home, known as the Dungeon Hobby Shop. D D would go on to change the face of gaming, giving video games, still yet to be invented, many of their signature themes, though frequently the butt. Of jokes, such as a cliche nerdy pastime, the game's fans are legion, counting Dame Judy Gent, Stephen Colbert, Mike Myers, and Vin Diesel among them. Mm, now Paul these are just the the early... Oh yeah, he loves it, man.
1: The Diesel train, yeah, for oh, sure.
0: Yeah. Now these are just the early years of Gary Gygax, the father of role-playing games. D&D has still so much more growing to do throughout its various editions, supplements, AD&D, and Gary's untimely death in 2008 at the age of 69. These later years deserve an episode dedicated to their own. Yeah, <sighs> yeah. So Man. that was um, that's something I put together. So sources from the Historical Miniatures Gaming Society, Dungeon Master, the Life and Legacy of Gary Gygax, Gary Gygax, King Nerd, Trials, Triumphs, and Trivalities, number one thirty-one, A Brief History of Role Playing.
1: Yeah, <sighs> yeah. Man, there's so much in there. Um, oh man that yeah and that
0: like that's only the early stuff man like if i had have gone through the the entire history of D, like it, this would be like a 10-hour podcast oh for sure i can't yeah. talk that long
1: <laughs> <laughs> i don't know man that's uh <laughs> i remember when you you were you were telling me about it you're like you know you know at at the start you're like hey i'll just look into like the uh history of D, and then, like a day later you're like Okay, so I was I don't know, I was just spent like three hours and <laughs> and you were you were so excited to talk about it and I was like I mean, in my head I'm like, is it, is it that interesting? But damn <laughs> dude, it's like a freaking it's like a freaking drama. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So there's there's this dude who at one point is unemployed with five kids and a wife that sounds oh no, his wife was fine. It was older I forget his name. Don K. K. Yeah, his Dun-kay. wife. K. No yeah, she was no, no bueno. Yeah, no bueno yeah. on that one. But <laughs> uh, yeah, and then and he made like a couple grand for an entire year to support his family. Yeah, to trying to pursue his dream, and then that fail. Oh man, dude, what a story. Man, yeah. Like, there's just there's just
0: so much, and I had to leave out so much too. Like, um, yeah. So look, I I hope. You guys, as listeners, enjoyed that. Like that was the first time we've done a deep dive on some sort of particular topic. And I know I sort of wrapped it up quickly at the end there, but like I just keep going for hours if I if I really yeah. could. <laughs> it's so interesting. Yeah. And for someone like me who who never played D and D, barely touched uh, RPGs, I I couldn't not keep researching. You know, like I just didn't know where where to draw the line. Like
1: um, yeah, yeah, fair enough. I think I let, yeah. It, I think you've left it at a um, really good turning point for D&D, that 1975-1976 timeline. Yeah. that's. I'm interested to see what happens from then till almost now. I mean, I'm sure that's an entirely... You know, that's probably two more episodes. So, if, if you're oh, listening yeah. to this and you liked the deep dive, you liked this kind of episode that we've done... Uh, let us know Jump in the Discord Or on Facebook Or one of our many portals Which you can find on Hobbyhomies.com um, <laughs> Let us know Because I mean I'm pumped I want to hear Your part two, Shane I want to <laughs> oh hear God. what happens next Yeah <laughs> I'll
0: need a month to get ready for it at least
1: <laughs> Yeah I think in 1975 I feel like games at, It was it must have been around then That Games Workshop went and bought Started buying copies of Dungeons and Dragons
0: I think, I think it was. Yeah, I got a feeling it was. I didn't even touch on the, the whole um, crossover there. Um, yeah. Because, because I think like, yeah, where where I've sort of left it now is that Dungeons and Dragons was like just picking up. Like it finally yeah. got the, the break that it sort of needed. Um, yeah. You know, they got to open their own like hobby shop. Um, they're not doing it from their kitchen table
1: and garage anymore. Um, yeah. 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 Um, <laughs> I can't remember which year that Games Workshop obtained the official distribution rights to Dungeons and & Dragons. And you said TSR, and I'm pretty sure Games Workshop... Oh, man. I'll, I'll leave it for next time, but I'm pretty sure at some point, Games Workshop buys a lot of the rights that TSR has. Okay. Which yep. I actually... I didn't actually... I read this separately because... There was at one point where I was trying to find out how Games Workshop started it for one of our episodes and I can't quite remember why, but those two things, Dungeons and Dragons and TSR, sunk in my head as like a big turning point for Games Workshop that took them from a board gaming shop to an enterprise. Yeah. When you said, you started talking about 1975, you said TSR, I was like, hang on a minute. (laughs) At some point, Games Workshop comes in here and, and something big happens, so... Maybe we'll yep. hit that up in part two and it would be interesting to see because that's a big crossover for us because we're oh yeah, we all about Games Workshop stuff here. 40k, Age of Sigma, all the games we play. Yep. Um, it's just interesting to hear the Dungeons & Dragons crossover into that. So, yeah. Man. Hell yeah, dude. I almost don't... I don't care. I want you to do a part two. <laughs> <laughs>
0: we'll see, we'll see if the Od- listeners
1: <laughs> enjoy it. Whatever happened to old K U N T Z? Where'd he go? I don't know. I think he just vanished into the background, dude. <laughs> oh wait, I think when Ah, uh, I think Guygak left with Donkey to start up their own thing, and they they left. They must have left him at the uh, the previous thing
0: yeah but he was uh, he was also a play tester as well. He was one of their like gaming buddies, I think, hmm. so that he might have just been a dude they knew it like at their local hobby shop or something yeah okay. um
1: yeah yeah man that's crazy to lose your best yeah. friend at thirty six the person you've just done life with
0: yeah I know man and like even even Gygax too like he died young like sixty nine um, true yeah, that's a spoiler alert. There. So I was gonna say dude. Wow. <laughs> <in> two thousand eight.
1: Two thousand eight. <laughs> yeah. Damn. Yeah, he this had. Feels an, recent.
0: Ad, yeah, he had an uh, abdominal aortic aneurysm. Stupid. Um, yeah, so wouldn't wouldn't be fun. How um, old was he? Sixty nine. Hmm.
1: Nice. Mm. <laughs> I, was I was wondering how I'd take it. <laughs> i would have woken up at, if i didn't pick it now i would have been woken up at 3am and been like <gasps> <laughs> yeah i gotta take Shane." <laughs> nice nice <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it's, it's funny it, like man.
0: as i was reading it i've written down just a couple of like little facts here uh that was one of them but um he actually received a lot of death threats regarding D and D from like wow. just randoms, man. And then he always had either a three fifty seven, a nine millimeter, or a forty five caliber pistol in arms reach, because Holy like all damn. the death threats he used to get. And like, I just feel like what. Well, what, have you got death threats for this guy? And it makes you think of, like, people that would, like, get so upset about edition changes and stuff like that. And, yeah. And, um, you know, rule, I just imagined, like, 40K, like, rules get nerfed and then the guys that write the, the rules get death threats and stuff because their armies that... now compatible. Y- yeah. It's
1: so... <laughs> That's it, the ninth edition uh, death threats. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what do you mean Space Marines have two wounds apiece? <laughs> <laughs> True. Death threats. You know what? It's so difficult to cast my mind back to an era i never lived in yeah but like now death threats are super common because everyone's on twitter so it's like easy i'll just dm this person and say i hope you die with a fake account anonymously but he would have got
0: like letters in his mailbox man or like to
1: his house yeah maybe even maybe emails
0: like at the at the later years but like yeah yeah it's pretty um
1: It's different when it comes to your house where you live because you're like, well, the person that just threatened to kill me knows where I live.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: But I would have thought in my head that back then when this was the only version of this game, right? D&D didn't exist before this. You would just be so thrilled that something existed at all, you know? But I guess the fans, because they were so small, the fan base was so small, there would have been that much more Voracious, you know. Oh, they would have
0: taken it almost personally too, man. Like,
1: yeah, so. you know, it's not like eighty thousand people worldwide where you're like, yeah, some people are going to hate it, but the majority love it. That's why you do well. Yeah, you know, I wonder if you're talking about just thousands of people as opposed yeah. to tens yeah. of thousands for a war game. You know. Yeah that
0: that that's right. And like they, you know, they started by he he would send out the rules to his like play testers and that, and the only way they could have done it back then was like slap it all in the post and mail it and imagine mailing like a 50 page little thing out like yeah you know we think easily nowadays i'll just email a pdf or whatever no, totally. no worries um yeah. But like back then and, and he was sharing notes with um he was sharing notes with arniston like through their, their different campaigns from their different groups like yeah again they're just posting stuff to each other so this stuff takes a long time it's not like If me and you were to do the same thing nowadays, we could play a game on one night, jump on, and then write an email to each other, and then done.
1: Like yeah, dude, it's
0: all contained in that one
1: day. Legit, like we could play, we could test play a game in the more even now in COVID times. where we can't even see each other. We could jump in Discord, do a video chat, play through a campaign together go have lunch. I might write some revisions for the rules, email it through to you as a PDF. You read it and you're like, hey, cool, man. Let's hit it again tonight. You know, we yeah. we can play two games, revise rules all in the 24-hour span whereas he would have had to, you know, send a thing out that took X amount of days, let's say five best case scenario to get there. Yeah. To The guy has to somehow call his friends and go, let's organize a day where we can all meet up, play it. You know, you're talking like, something that took us 24 hours would take them months, man. Yeah, yeah, or even weeks, like, at best, if you'll live nearby. At best, yeah. yeah. If you can instantly yeah. grab a group, play the game multiple times, write your revision on your reviews back, send it back, have him read it. Yeah, yeah man, that's wild. Yeah. Gosh, we're it's so lucky. No,
0: like, no wonder it, it take, sort of, like, I mean, I'd say it takes them so long, but, like, I mean, it probably took them in total of, like, like what, like, three or four years I think to sort of go from that chain mail um, almost like beta and then changing it up and, and going into to
1: what D&D eventually became. Um, yeah. yeah. Which is impressive but when like it's your life which it would have been yeah. he would have found oh, a way. Yeah. He would have been like yeah I could post it and it might take five days or I could just drive a easily six hours and drop it off to someone because England's <laughs> small. Wait. <laughs> I American, never even dude. asked. It's American right? Yeah. That's yeah, how yeah. GW got it.
0: Yeah, they were in Wisconsin. Um, That was where, like Geneva, that's where they sort of lived.
1: Yeah, yeah. that's right. I think that that has something to do with it too. GW,
0: GW. I do remember reading something. They had one of their employees from one of GW's employees. I can't remember his name, but he was their gateway into the United Kingdom.
1: Um, Yeah. That's how they got
0: D&D into the UK.
1: Yeah, I think Games Workshop was the way that D&D got into the UK.
0: Yeah, I think they knew someone that worked there or or they they managed to make some sort of connection, which was um, obviously, you know, one of the best things for them.
1: Because, yeah, yeah, I think it was this person you're talking about was the one that started the relationship and then Games Workshop was the only importer of TSR stuff. So yeah. if someone wanted the rules for any, you know, Dungeons and Dragons, for example, they had to go to, physically go to a Games Workshop store. There was no online. Remind, no. you know, gotta remind the people. This is 1975. <laughs> yeah. You had to know there was a Games Workshop store somewhere, and you would drive.
0: But there was probably only one Games Workshop store at that time. There you was, know, dude. Like-
1: when they first started importing it, there was
0: yeah so it's like the the games workshop store like yeah so it's not even like uh, i've got one that's an hour from me or like 30 minutes from me which nowadays like it's pretty much one in like in australia there's one within two hours of no matter like where you live unless you live in like the middle oh, of the yeah. Desert. <laughs> yeah but like any major city you've got one within two hours drive which sounds probably like a lot to people like Final Dinosaur and and other overs and international listeners, but <laughs> yeah, that's, that's the far. That's down the road in Australia. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's only yeah. down the road. Yeah, absolutely.
1: So. Yeah, I don't yeah. think they opened. I don't know if Games Workshop even opened. oh anyway, so we'll we'll talk about that in our next one because there's like yeah, a huge tie in there. Yeah, yeah. Good bought Dungeons and Dragons imported it opened their first actual retail store, all that kind of stuff. It's it's a history all of its own. So, yeah. Yeah. Thanks for thanks for doing all that, man. That was dope. That's all right. Thanks for listening, you guys. And you, Fox. <laughs> no, nah, no worries. Anytime. <laughs> I was actually... Um, I felt like a, a listener when you were talking about bringing this information. I was like, well, I, you know, for once, I'm not preparing anything. I mean, I'm just coming in with a couple of beers and I get to listen <laughs> to the history of D&D. Yeah. Before everyone else, I felt like uh, I had exclusive listening rights. <laughs> so, yeah, man, that's cool. That's dope. Yeah,
0: it was fun. It was actually really fun to do the res. Excuse me, do the research and and like, oh man, like I was talking to you earlier today, and I, I reckon I put ten hours into that, like just reading stuff and different websites and different like articles yeah. and and different. Oh, it's, it's because just so much.
1: it happens to me all the time because. When it's something like D&D or, you know, that we haven't really touched outside of... I've done, a, I think, two or three sessions, but like, that's playing the game. That's not knowing the history of it at all. You kind of overcompensate and you want to like... I want to get the right information straight from the, the correct sources. I don't want to go yeah. on a YouTube video and listen to some guy talk about it. I want to get to the nitty-gritty and make sure... So, I appreciate that because I know that's what you spend a lot of time doing, making sure <laughs> the stuff you just talked about is the actual history. It's not like third party. It's you got that from reliable sources. So, I appreciate that, man.
0: Thank yeah, you. Yeah, No worries, man. No worries.
1: But um, if, if you're a listener and you froth that as much as I did because I love that, uh, let us know because that's something we would love to do more of just like yeah. straight get history of games, backstories, even lore videos on particular um, factions in particular systems and all that kind of stuff, really deep dive into things. We'd love to do that more, but, you know, we're curious to know if that's something you guys actually want to hear or, yeah. So, let us know on our Facebook. You can just message us or please jump in the Discord. That's where the magic happens. So, we can chat to you there.
0: Yeah, hell yeah. You can chat to us like any any day. We're, we're always around. Um, we live in there. There's plenty of other people there to chat to. <laughs> we pretty much do. Um, and, yeah. So, you find links on, on our hobbyhomies.com. If you haven't got Discord, it's so easy to get and use. Like, just make a, make a... An account, you can do it on your web base, on your PC. You can get PC apps, phone apps. It's it's just a, it's such a good little um, little community we've got going on there. So we would yeah. love to have we'd love
1: to have you there. And we've got a because you and I aren't primarily RPG players, um, although I've got a game coming. Yeah, we'll talk about all that on another episode. <laughs> but it's something I think is safe to say we want to get more into. We actually yeah. have when we first created the Hobby Homies Discord, we put an RPG room in there. So, it's a little quiet because we've only got a handful of players that get into the RPGs, but we would love to have you guys in there. If you're listening to this, you're like, oh, yeah, I froth RPGs. Jump in the Discord, jump in our RPG channel, tell us about your campaigns, the systems that you play and all that kind of stuff. We froth that.
0: Oh, yeah. it would be so cool to see some photos of, of, you know, boards and miniatures or even like character sheets. Like, you know, oh, I know yeah. Frost, uh, Fox Frost's rules and, and stat lines yeah. and stuff like that. So yeah,
1: yeah. Tell me your builds. I want to know how much decks you're rocking and why. <laughs> what's your plan? <laughs> what's your approach? Yeah, everything, man. Just let just jump in there. That'd be dope. Yeah, yeah dude. Uh, and that's th- where we have our live episodes too. Yeah, in fact, next week. So this this episode that you're listening to came out Sunday, the 30th of August. The next one that we're going to be doing is actually a live episode because we do those on the first Wednesday of every month. Yep. So, this episode comes out Sunday the 30th and then like three days after that, we have our next episode which is a live episode. Yeah. Which is effectively Shane and I talking but we do it live in Discord with all of our Discord users. Um, and yeah, it's dope. We, so, we... This Upcoming live episode, we're going to announce our two August giveaways. There's a Patreon-only giveaway and there's a Pandemic Board Game giveaway. Yep. We'll also announce what our two new giveaways will be, as well as throughout the live episode, we play games of all kinds, quizzes, (laughs) uh, a game I like to call What, What, Where, where we take photos (laughs) of things and you have to send it into the Discord and run around your house and take photos of stuff. And we give away little prize packs for that. And we've got, some, we've got some really good prize packs I'm excited about. So Oh, yeah.
0: We've got some, we've got some good ones coming.
1: Yeah, it's going to be dope. So, please, um, the first Wednesday of every month, this next one is September, Wednesday the 2nd, 7 p.m. Australian Eastern Standard Time. Jump in our Discord. You'll see, it, you'll see us all talking about it and preparing for it anyway. So, jump in yep. there. You can get our Discord link on, our, on hobbyhomies.com. And yeah, please... Please jump in there. It's 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 my favorite thing <laughs> for every month.
0: Oh yeah, it's all it's always good fun, and and everyone has a blast too. The games we play and yeah, yeah, man, I can't it, wait.
1: It's just a good time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Bring your beers, so, rock up in front of your computer, log into the Discord. Let's get yeah, let's get. That's rocking. it
0: that's it that's it so you guys know where to find us hobbyhomies.com make sure you check out Churchy on YouTube he's now streaming on Twitch so get uh, around that too his streams are going off they're always they're always good fun
1: twitch.tv um, slash churchy underscore plays
0: that's the one dude that's the one <laughs> <laughs> and you'll find us on Facebook Instagram YouTube uh, Google yeah, that's Google Guess Google yeah
1: just yeah just Google Hobby Homies you'll find us I mean you're already here so you found us but if you want to find more of us <laughs>
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, all right, guys. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you guys next time on the live episode.
1: Before you leave, Shane, oh, I want to do probably my favorite thing that we do, and that's okay. Thank our patrons. Yeah, better do that. <laughs> 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 Gotta better thank the that. lads. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus, um, we uh, look, we can't, we. This has never been more true than it is right now, but we cannot do these episodes without our Patreons. No, absolutely not. So, we just want to give them a quick thanks, um, because, yeah, literally without them, we're, we're kind of fucked.
0: Yeah, true. So, uh, as always, we'll shout out uh, Final Dinosaur, our Belgian representative, Foggy Highway, Wise Old Wargamer, Churchy, the third member of our little love triangle threesome we've got going on here, Dave... <laughs> Or- My wife specifically gonna-
1: <laughs> asked me not to say uh, threesome. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. She's like, she's like it's, it's fine that you guys do it. I just don't want everyone to know. <laughs> I was like, True. all right, okay. fine. Love triangle. <laughs> Love triangle. <laughs>
0: Dave, the our organizer of the 40K League, GTO, and friend of the show. Rory, yep. the uh, wet palette extraordinaire.
1: Uh, we've also got Caitlin, the lover of all things Shane. We've got it. Brett, uh, one of the hosts of the TCG podcast. Check them out there on Podbean, Thoughtless Casual Gaming. We've got Clinton, the lover of green demons, which he's <laughs> just done a phenomenal piece for an up, upcoming... I mean, you've got to jump in the Discord to see it, but he's converted a, a throne. Anyways, anyways, I don't want to get into it, but <laughs> a lover of green demons. Yep. We've got Joe, uh, as always, not a mini gaming person, Just a regular PC wargaming person, a normalton, a normal person, unlike us, (laughs) slightly like us, but slightly less weird. And we've got Lethal Lee, the strongest strunk of all the strunks. (laughs) So, thank you guys. Your ongoing support is honestly huge, especially now when we can't get in the studio and we've got to do our own setups and our own editing and literally everything you guys get us through. Thank you so much. We love you. We love you. I'm, I'm not scared to say it.
0: <laughs> okay, <laughs>
1: we re- respect you. <laughs> we respect, much respect, much love.
0: <laughs>
1: All right, fam. All right, let's get out of. Yeah, now we can end the show. <laughs> now we can. Now we've done the most important thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you should start true. the episodes with that. <laughs> Probably. Forget
0: All right, it fam. that fam.
1: True. Alright guys. Peace. Toodles.